Testament reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, starting at the 15th verse. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. By the way, Moses is talking. Like me from among you, your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, if I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again, see this great fire, I'll die. Then the Lord replied to me, they're right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of my prophet who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name or word, I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. That's one of the scariest passages a preacher can read. <laughs> Our gospel lesson is from the first chapter of Mark, starting at the 21st verse. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. O oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. How do you spot a false prophet? That would be a very useful skill to have. You think about it. People are prophesying all the time in terms of predicting the future. We check out what the weather folks have to say about tomorrow's weather. Even though they might have been wrong about yesterday, we still check to see because they know more about it than we do. If you have some money to invest, you probably check some analyst or some advisor to see what do they recommend. Because you hope they can prophesy this is going to go up, not go down. And this week's paper, the news, there's been the story of a, uh, a bunch of folks who bet that a particular stock was going down. It was a game store. Mm -hmm. Well, who's going to malls? Malls are going out of business. Who's going to in store. They buy games online. So the, the hedge funds bet, oh, that's going to go down. That was their prophecy. And there are a bunch of people who say, we don't think so. 
and they bought up the stock and the price went way up. In fact, in the paper, in the Post today, the Washington Post, there's a story about a 10-year-old who's made $3,200 this week. His mama couldn't buy him a PlayStation, so she bought him some stock a few years ago to teach him about the stock market. And in two years, his stock went from $6 way up, so he's got $3,200. He's put about $2,200 in his college fund and $1,000. He and his mama are going to try to prophesy some more. <laughs> Lots of times we try to predict the future. And you don't have to look at a lot of polls to figure out a bunch of people are wrong about their predictions a lot of times. Or even the weather. Or lots of other things. Well, just what is a prophet? Webster has three definitions. Well, there's one who utters divinity, divinely inspired revelations, such as the writer of one of the prophetic books of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Ezekiel, Micah, Jonah, so on. Or B, one regarded by a group of followers as the final authoritative revealer of God's will. A second definition is one gifted with more than ordinary spiritual and moral insight. A third one who foretells future events. Well, I have a handy little dictionary of theological terms, and it says prophecy usually refers to speaking in the name of God under divine mandate. Prophecy really means speaking for God. Pro is for, like pro bono means for the good, right? Well, they add that in the Old Testament, prophets speak words of judgment, direction, consolation. And in the New Testament, they basically did today what we call preaching. They proclaimed things. Prophecy might involve warning about the future, but not necessarily. And some people think of prophets as angry people preaching gloom and doom. But one of my old favorite Old Testament scholars named Walter Brueggemann speaks of the hopeful nature of prophetic witness in the biblical story. He says prophetic witness is inherently countercultural. Prophets criticized the old order pronouncing God's judgment on them. And they energized their hearers with a vision of the new reign of God, the kingdom to come. I think of most of us think of Moses as a as a leader, a lawgiver, but in our reading from Deuteronomy, God calls Moses prophet. In fact, you could say Moses is the best example of the prophet being a go-between because he would bring God's instruction to the people even when they didn't want to hear. And especially not directly from God because you remember what they told Moses, oh, that they were worried that don't let us have God talk to us directly anymore. That'll kill us. We can't stand that. So they want, wanted somebody who would be like Moses, come tell us what the message is. Well, first God says that a prophet like Moses would be raised, somebody who'd speak all that God commanded. And second, God says, even those who don't pay attention to God's message from the prophet will be held responsible. And then he adds that caution about false prophets who presume to speak for God. That prophet will die. 
So how can you tell the difference between a true prophet and a false one? Well, a couple of verses beyond what we have already read from Deuteronomy suggest one criterion. It says, you may say to yourself, how can we recognize a word that the Lord has not spoken? If a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing does not take place or prove true, it's a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. So he says, don't be frightened by that. Well, the 13th chapter of Ezekiel deals with that problem of false prophets too. They have envisioned falsehood and a lying divination. They say, so and so says the Lord, when the Lord did not send them. And they wait for the fulfillment of their word. And then also, the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah talks about that problem of false prophets walking in lies who strengthen the hands of evildoers. Jeremiah conveys God's warning about false prophets who give a lying word of reassurance, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the, of the prophets who prophesy to you. They are deluding you. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise the word of the Lord, Oh, it's going to be well with you. And to all who stubbornly follow their own stubborn hearts, they say, no calamity will come upon you so that no harm that no so that no one turns from wickedness. So one of the problems in the Old Testament, and it's true today too, there are prophets that say, Oh, everything's gonna be great. In fact, you may have met a stockbroker that told you, Oh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna go up and everything's gonna be wonderful. Well maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. When we read for the passage from the First chapter of Mark about Jesus chasing, casting out those unclean spirits. You know what surprised me? It didn't surprise them at all that Jesus could cure what we would call mental illness today. That's what we would call an unclean spirit. What surprised me was that the unclean spirit recognized Jesus as the Holy One of God. The unclean spirit obeyed Jesus. And the people in the synagogue, they didn't. So how can we modern Christians tell real prophets from pretenders? How can we tell who is indeed speaking the word from the Lord and who's just giving their own opinion or twisting the things around to their advantage? One way is to do what the people of the original Berea church did. You may remember that Paul and Silas they ran into trouble in Thessalonica and they fled to a place called Berea. Uh, these people were, they were a lot more receptive to the gospel that Paul and Silas were preaching. And if you read in the 18th, excuse me, the 17th chapter of Acts, the believers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea and when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. These Jews were more receptive than those in Thessalonica. For they welcomed the message eagerly and examined the scripture every day to see whether these things were so. So, you can study the Bible to see whether what you hear from me or any other preacher or any other person, whether it's true to God's word. But remember that even 
when Jesus was tempted, even the tempter, even the devil used Bible quotations to try to sway Jesus, but Jesus knew the Bible better than the tempter. So one way to refine this test of prophecy is see how it compares with what Jesus said. You may remember that Pope Francis issued an interesting message about fake news a few years ago. He suggested that the very first fake news is presented in the third chapter of Genesis when the tempter, pretending to be Eve's friend, starts with a partial truth, misquoting God and twisting and distorting what God had said eventually to deceive her. Pope Francis concludes that we can recognize the truth of statements from their fruits. He wrote, whether they provoke quarrels, foment division, encourage resignation, or, on the other hand, promote informed and mature reflection, leading to constructive dialogue and fruitful results. In other words, fake news is as, or fake prophecy, is as fake news does. The Pope wrote that fake news leads only to the spread of arrogance and hatred. In the eighth chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus tells, he tells us the origins of false prophecy, fake news if you prefer. Jesus was saying to his disciples, you are from my father, you are from your father, the devil, and if you choose to do your father's desires, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar, the father of lies. Which is to say, fake news is from Satan. Truth, all truth, is from God. In our world where it can be really hard to discern which ones are the false prophets who feed us lies that we long to believe. That's the thing about uh, when people flatter, you know, if somebody tells you some flattery that's a big lie, we, we rise up and say, tell me some more lies. <laughs> we love flattery. Or fake news, false prophets, speak not by God's call or from God's word. And they twist and torture the very word of God to serve their own purposes. In such a world, we need to claim the promise that Jesus made. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Thanks be to God.